Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. They turn for home a furlong and a half to go. Luby has led every yard away so far. That Kissiglio throwing down a big challenge on the outside. Blazing Bella Blue looking for racing room on the inside. Maybe a little shorter room down inside the final furlong. And it's like Kissiglio. Hannah in front by a length and a half to Blazing Bella Blue in second. Blazing Bella Blue closes up to win a length but can never get to like Kissiglio who goes on to win. That was Blazing Bella Blue, second in the recent Glendale Stakes at Turf Paradise. A good second in a large field. Alex Cruz aboard for trainer Charles Essex, who's breeder and owner with Petra Lewin. The defending Washington Horse of the Year. Uh, Two good races down there in Phoenix. And that kicks off this edition of Horse Racing Northwest. Joe Withy and Vince Brune here at Emerald Downside Labar on the controls. We're going to have some guests today, Vince. We're going to have Ron Nicoletti from Gulfstream Park and Jeff the Fish Aaron, who's quite the racing fan, mm-hmm. a well-known media name here in the Northwest. He's going to join us as well, and we'll hear from Anthony the Big Ace to Bill also. Vince, uh, well, Emerald Down season ended about mid-September, and we've seen a lot of familiar names in action up and down the West Coast since then. We sure have, and we'll see some more this weekend. Um, we'll get back. We got some, officially our dates came out. We'll get to that in a moment, too, for 2023. But we talked about Lloyd's Logic, I think, last time uh, entered mm. in a stakes at Del Mar Scratch. But we uh, see him this Sunday in the Cecil B, or is it Saturday? Uh, la, 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 no, it's Sunday. Sunday, yeah. the, uh, December 4th, uh, mm-hmm. grade three Cecil B DeMille, a mile on turf. And uh, he drew the number nine for outside post. That's Lloyd's logic in the $100,000 Cecil B. DeMille stakes. And will make his turf debut. I suppose being by the factor, it gives him a bit of a license to like that footing. And sure. uh, yeah, he was pretty powerful in that uh, Gottstein Futurity. And Joe, the 
Lloyd's Logic won that by seven and a quarter, but the runner-up in that race is going to be in action too this weekend. Chuckanut Bay was second to Lloyd's Logic, who uh, Lloyd's Logic really got hot late in the Emerald Down season after a couple of decent effort in, in maiden races. He picked up a big maiden victory in August and a month later on closing day in the Gottstein seven-length victory. So uh, owner George Todaro, Hall of Fame Washington owner George Todaro, trainer Jerry Hollendorfer, uh, stable manager Bob Capaletti, Edwin, Edwin Maldonado aboard. Pretty good front-running rider on a horse with some speed. So good luck to Lloyd's Logic, our Godstein winner. And, yeah, the runner-up, Chuckanut Bay, he's had a heck of a two-year-old year. Now, he is a Washington bred. He's in the Gold Rush Stakes at Golden Gate on Saturday, December 3rd. And he has drawn, uh, let's see, he drew a little bit toward the outside there. But, you know, he had a rough trip in that Godstein. That was quite a run by him, as you remember. It was, and he's been a, a real consistent runner. And, he, you know, we talked about he was involved in one of the, I thought, one of the best races at Emerald uh, this yeah. year when, uh, oh, boy, what was the name of the? Running out of days. Running out of days, and Chuckanut Bay hooked up at the three ace, and they basically went man-to-man to the <sighs> wire there. Neither of them gave an inch, and... Uh, Chuckin' at Bay got the got the photo, but uh, there was the DQ in that race. But they both ran great, and Chuckin' at Bay showed a lot of talent in, uh, and he's shown a lot of heart, like you say, to overcome trouble and keep on running too. Yeah, he had an inside type post in the Gottstein, number three of eleven. He got shuffled back a little bit, but he actually Cruz really got him going after a bit of a poor start and uh, had him in contention, just wasn't able to make up that ground behind Lloyd's logic. So a good second in the Gottstein by the son of a Brage out of Zenovit, trained by Jack Steiner, owned by Rema Racing Incorporated. Howard Hammer, the 102-year-old, uh, he was out for all of his races at Emerald Downs. Amazing man. Oh, and yeah. uh, up by Stan, out from Stanwood, Washington, uh, in the lumber industry Jeez. most of his career. Yes. Now he's 102. Boy, he is a robust 102. He is, he is, a, he is a strong man. Yeah. Chuckanut Bay. Uh, and, and by the way, he doesn't have an outside type post. He's number four of 10. Like you said, outside. Yeah. Like I said, uh, outside of the one, two, and three, uh, Chuckanut Bay in the gold rush. So a couple of good chances there. Uh, our jockeys are faring pretty well as also some familiar names. Alex Cruz, our three-time defending jockey, Gary Doherty of our promotions department. He keeps track of those jockeys, you know, Vince. I know you know that. Oh, yes. And uh, Alex Cruz is number four down at Phoenix. They've got a ton of riders down there. They really do because, you know, first of all, they go, what do you go, five days a week? And uh, it's a nice place to be in the summer. So you got a lot of races, a good climate. The purses are up. So it's just only natural that you're going to get a strong colony. Yes, and he's number four in the standings, and he's winning at 19% down there. And Kevin Radke at Golden Gate just picked up his first ever graded stakes yeah, win. Yeah, and you know, that kind of surprised me that that was his first, because Kevin's won a lot of races, been around a long time, and, you know, there's a lot of graded races in Northern California, and he's been a leading rider down there. So yes. congratulations to Kevin. I saw that race on replay, and that horse just kept on going. He won the Berkeley last weekend, the grade three Berkeley on the main track. Of course, that uh, Stryker PhD has won a couple times. Uh, That's uh, right. Washington bred. So Kevin is number two in the Golden Gate standings behind William Anton Georgie third. Kevin's also winning at 19% down at Golden Gate. So both those guys having really good seasons. And 
They are in the top 25 nationally in win percentage for 2022. Kevin Radke, 20th at uh, 20.27 win percentage for the year. And Alex Cruz right behind at 22nd position at 20.21 win percentage among all North American jockeys. So great stuff from those guys down there. And just a lot of uh, Washington horses and tons of our trainers more than ever have been down going down to Phoenix actually this year. Yeah, and it just like it makes a lot of sense because it dovetails nicely with the beginning and the end of our season. And who doesn't want to be in the Phoenix in the winter and uh, with the nice weather and they got turf racing and they got a lot of racing, you know, about 49, 50 races a week and uh, purses are up there. So it's an attractive spot to be now. It is. Uh, that is the Turf Paradise meeting, and you can follow all of that at Emerald Downs seven days a week. They do run on Mondays and Tuesdays, full-card simulcasting. Emerald Downs open seven days a week for full-card simulcasting. Uh, and our dates are out for 2023 now. Yep, they were approved at the Washington Horse Racing Commission meeting a couple weeks ago, and we put them up on the website, sent them out uh, earlier this week. We open on Kentucky Derby Day a little earlier than last year. What May 6th. Saturday, May 6th, first Saturday in May. So that's going to be a red-letter day here at Emerald Downs. We'll have the excitement of opening day combined with the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. And we'll go through uh, September 17th. And uh, first weekend, uh, we're only going to have running racing on that Saturday. And then we go Saturday, Sunday uh, racing, I think, until June 9th. Then we add Fridays. Okay. And then we pretty much go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Post times, uh, Fridays will be 7 p.m. again. Sundays, of course, will always be 2 p.m. But Saturdays, I think for the first seven or eight weeks, will be 2 o'clock, and then we go to a 5 o'clock post for yep. the latter half of the Saturday season. Yep. And we've had those here in the past. And uh, nice atmosphere for uh, Saturday night racing in Seattle that time of year. Yes, so 2 p.m. on weekends except for opening day that's going to be one o'clock one o'clock start on derby day saturday may 6th opening day at emerald downs for the 2023 season and if you'd like to book a group get a suite or any size group call our uh, group sales department at 253-288-7700 253-288-7700 group sales and think about that for opening day. That's going to be quite a day with our first race of the season at 1 p.m. The Kentucky Derby goes in there about 3.30 or so local time and then races after that to complete our opening day card. And you can get some discount season passes through our website at emeralddowns.com. You can get 20% off uh, the price of a ticket when purchasing now. Discount season passes available at the website. Also, hey, that... Uh, Dancing at the Downs was pretty popular there before 2020 hit the scene. And we had a lot of Fridays and Saturday nights of dancing up on the fifth floor. That's going to resume on Friday, December 30th with the Sonic Funk Orchestra. And that is uh, 7 p.m. gates open and it's a $10 ticket. You can get those tickets at Emerald Downs. Actually, it's $10 right now. It'll be 15 on the night of, which is Friday December 30th, Dancing at the Downs returns at uh, just before New Year's Eve. So keep that in mind as well on a Friday night. 
and the WTBOA banquet for those of you Washington bred, Washington breeders and horsemen. The WTBOA banquet will be on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. All right, there's some news. And uh, our last show was uh, Breeders' Cup week. Uh, John White joined us. Bill Downs, our track announcer. Anthony Stabil was on. We threw out a couple of horses. Your Wicked Halo at 14 to 1 fired pretty good, Vince. Uh, she got third behind Good Night Olive, I think was her name, and Echo Zulu. Yeah, right behind the stable mate, Echo Zulu. And those three were well in front of everyone yep. else. Yeah, she ran fine. It's just, you know, uh, hard to beat some of those good ones. Yeah, third of uh, whatever it was, 13 or 14 was, yeah, horses. It was a big field. It was a big field. Look at Halo. John White uh, gave us two horses. They both won. Flight line in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And also that Arabian night, he was really raving about uh, the possibilities of that first-time starter who was in the first race on Breeders' Cup Saturday, a maiden race, and he dominated that. I think he paid around 370 so mm -hmm. uh, despite all the hoopla, he, uh, you know, he didn't pay 220 or anything. You know, it's, it's funny, and we've talked, and, and I don't think John would mind me saying this, but yeah, let's, John gives out favorites sometimes but his percentage a lot of when the he, time a lot of the time but when he gives them out you know um they're pretty solid <laughs> I mean, yeah. as far as favorites well, go no, you know what i'm saying you've they're often a, said if if anybody of any strong favorite better can make money it would be john white yes because he's he is selective and by the way arabian night paid three dollars 52 cents to win one by seven lengths he's a son of uncle mo and out of an astrology mare and uh, just dominated. Yeah, he's one of the ones to follow. Yeah. And Baffert so, is loaded with the two-year-olds as usual. Yeah. So John did well, two for two. And Bill. Bill gave us Tuesday on, on uh, that Thursday, then the horse ran on Saturday. Sure did. But Tuesday won the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf Race. And I think paid double digits. Yeah, he right? had a good angle on that one. He was. Yeah. He did some film work there and felt she could improve off her last race in Europe, which she certainly did winning the cup. You know, I had, uh, let's see, raging fit. She just got a wide trip. She had an outside post and really didn't get the position. She didn't do much. Uh, that horse I picked in the juvenile turf sprint got to the lead. I was getting pretty excited, but boy, I was surprised he got passed by two or three horses late. So he ran out of the money. Um, so there's a little Breeders' Cup recap, and all those shows are available to listen to if you're interested at emeralddowns.com. Go to. Uh, Can you believe it's already been a month since the Breeders' yeah. Cup? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Hey, um, you know, Dave Litfin, he was a guest of ours on the Win Play show on KJR a whole bunch in our first, uh, oh, eight years or so, and uh, Anthony Stabil kind of emerged from the New York circuit after that. Anthony got off to a great start with a 17-to-1 winner in his first radio show, and then, uh, so we didn't have Dave on too much after that, but boy, that guy was a big name in racing. Hey, you were a Santa Anita handicapper there for a couple of years, and Dave Litvin did the New York circuit for close to 15 years, the whole thing, and as a daily racing form handicapper. Yeah, and Dave... Dave was an interesting writer. He he wrote well, which, you know, the combination of knowledge and ability to put it down uh, the pen to paper or typing it on the computer is a good skill. And he was uh, 
very fine handicapper and boy just reading a lot of the reaction um nary a bad word yeah. about the guy really popular around the racetrack wherever he was in fact anthony stabile uh we caught up with him he had this to say about dave litfin excellent handicapper joe better person when i started at the new york post back in 1999 he had worked for my boss over there a guy named greg gallo uh when they were in there they had their daily racing form days there was stint one and stint two and um, they had worked together. A bunch of the guys I worked with in the post actually worked with Dave. And when I started spending a lot of time over there in the press box, Dave was one of the first guys I became friendly with. And, you know, as a kid growing up in New York and the racing product, you start to share a press box with these guys. You, for the lack of a better term, kind of look up to and read all the time and, Dave was just a really, really, really good guy and an excellent handicapper. Loved, loved horse racing. Uh, you know, you walk in, it would be Dave and Dave, Lipson and, and Grenick, mm. um, sitting next to each other as soon as you walked in that press box. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different beast up there now. There's not too many people. Grenick is the only, the only ones left. And um, it's, it's, it's weird because a lot of that press box, a lot of those guys have either passed on or have moved on to different careers and, you know, the lack of coverage. But I remember back in the 1999 when I first started working at the Post, Dave became one of the first guys that kind of, you know, welcomed me to that press box. And uh, over the years, became even more friendly with him and socialized with him a lot more. His wife, Robin, you know, a couple of really good characters. And he'll really, really be missed. Yeah, Anthony, a little bit younger than Dave Litfin, but did meet him. And, uh, yeah, by all accounts, uh, I hate to see him leave his family and the racing game. Dave Litvin passing away recently. Demon Warlock also passed away. Demon Warlock, uh, second in the 2004 Long Acres Mile behind A Dream is Born. Really fine ride by Nate Shavs, who picked up the mount that day because Alberto mm -hmm. Lopez was going to be too much overweight to the assigned weight. So Terry Gillahan put Nate Shavs on him. He gave him a really good ride. I did the exact well nice. that day and uh, demon warlock went on to win the muckle shoot tribal classic he had won another stake at emerald downs that year he was a fast horse and he was a real tenacious horse and as you know he's uh, the sire of one of our champions our recent champions a little less talk yeah right and uh, uh stamped stamped uh, her with some of his uh willingness That's to compete right. there she was a tough one and just could do anything on the racetrack yeah, Demon Warlock passing. So uh, we report that and... Uh, Too many deaths. Yeah. We'll come back with Ron Nicoletti after a short break here on Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 
first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code SPORTOFKINGS when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit National Gambling Support Line 800-522-4700. Segment two for Horse Racing Northwest. We've got a couple of guests yet on the show. Ron Nicoletti is going to join us in just a moment, and Jeff the Fish Aaron in our segment three. So let's go to the phone lines and talk with Gulfstream Park personality handicapper Ron Nicoletti. Ron, good afternoon. How you doing, guys? Good to hear from you both. I haven't heard from you in such a long time. Yeah, yeah. Where you have kind of a sporadic podcast schedule this time of year, and we're not on the the radio, uh, AM radio, two weekends anymore. But uh, nonetheless. Uh, Gulfstream has uh, great racing, a lot of it too, and I, I know your main meets uh, starting in a few weeks. But things are going pretty well right now, aren't they, Ron? Yeah, what we did this year is we're trying to have all the uh, our the tracks open up on the same day, December twenty sixth, in Santa Anita, Gulfstream Park, along with Laurel, uh, with the change from usually we kicked off the first week in December. But what we've done now is we've gone from. Uh, you know, a three-day-a-week schedule while we're redoing the turf. We're four days this week, but from now on, we're five days a week. The purses have been raised, so sort of like the championship meet, but uh, that one actually kicks off December 26th, and that's the first time we're ever doing it, of course, the day after Christmas. So, uh, you know, we got back on the turf this afternoon, just about a half hour ago. We had our first turf race of the season, and it just looked absolutely beautiful. You know, we had to read the whole turf course, and uh, you know, a little bit of the nail biter to see how it was, and then the Josh that came back really loved it. That is great. Yeah, you guys have so much racing down there, and you know, high quality racing, especially. You're you're pretty much the focus uh, out east, um, late December, January, February, March, and so forth. So a new turf course. You added the synthetic track. I think that was a year and a half ago or so. You got a lot of options down there, huh? Yeah, you know, in the synthetic course, we really didn't have a chance to, to, to make it work the way we wanted to do along with the turf course. But uh, well, yesterday, of course, just by with South Florida weather, uh, you know, we had a rainstorm that nobody was expecting. So we took the races off the turf. And now when those turf races moved to the Tapita, you might we lost maybe two horses uh, to scratches. Years ago, you know, the whole race would be gone. And that was the whole impetus for putting in the tapita was to just uh, you know have a place to go and nobody scratches you know yeah. it's always fast so it turned out to be uh, a really good uh, thing for us and it's going to be great during the winter because south florida you know you deal with the, the weather like you do in the northwest it's just you never know when it's going to rain or something like that so i think it's going to be a fantastic addition now that we got the turf course going again Fantastic. Ron Nicoletti talking with us. Joe with the Vince Brune here on Horse Racing Northwest. And uh, Ron, how many years for you in South Florida thoroughbred racing now? I, I started at Hialeah in 1986 or 5 or 86. So I've been, uh, and how many years that is? I forgot about 40 <laughs> years now almost. Pretty good. Like that. And I've just been blessed to be able to work at the uh, you know, all the three tracks are now for the last, you know, seven, ten years only at Gulf Street Park. So it's been a blessing, you know, and I always joke around, you know, if you you got a good gift to gab, you can get away with anything. <laughs> and I think that's part of my skills, you know what I mean? 
No, definitely, definitely. And uh, <laughs> we like your price angles and so forth. You've had a lot of people sitting next to you over the years in that other seat, huh? Uh, just the best in the world. I always make a joke, you know, with along with Gabby Cortez or Keisha Courtney, is that, you know, the first day they come in, whoever it might be, uh, you know, Christina Bosonakis, and the first day on their knees are knocking, I'm telling them, uh, don't be nervous, do this. The second day, they're better than I ever was. It only takes them one day to get better than me. So I could never figure it out. So I've been blessed to be next to some really fantastic people. And now Brian Nato, excellent handicapper. You know, we have a, a good rapport. And, of course, Jason Blewett. Just so many people over the years that have you know, been graced with, uh, to work with and next to me and put up with my antics. <laughs> no, you have. It's, it's been entertaining and informative for sure. And uh, going back to the mid-'80s, and, and Vince, when Longacres closed, uh, you spent a little time down there at South Florida. Well, actually, it was when Longacres was still running. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and so Mark Kaufman got me a job there. He knew Jan Cicchetti and Bob Savage at Hialeah and, and got me a job. It was just a blast to work in South Florida in the winter. And a couple of remembrances of Ron. Well, first of all, the media presence. You know, we talked, Ron, I'm sure you knew Hank Goldberg pretty well, and he passed last summer, and, and we would just yeah. see him in the press box all the time, and he was a player. Yeah, he was a good player. He had, he's the guy that gave me my actually my start as far as putting me on the radio year, years ago. You know, Hank Goldberg, he was very caustic to some people, but he was one of the biggest guys to help me out in my career. He put me on his radio show when I was – Nobody, you know, who cared who, who I picked, you know. And so he helped me out a lot, and I, I loved him. And we had some, you know, we had some cast of characters throughout the years, <laughs> years here in South Florida, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Vince, I, I think you've got another story about Ron. I do. I remember, uh, well, I actually did a little research here, Ron, and uh, <laughs> the season was winding down, the Hialeah meet, and I think I was writing a feature race story, and they run the 10th race. All of a sudden, there's all this commotion over there in the corner, and Ron Nicoletti is really excited. Ron, do you remember a horse named Yorty? Yeah, I think I do. I think I remember that horse. <laughs> now that you're saying it, it's coming back a little bit. Well, why don't you why don't you share with us what what your windfall was that day? Yeah, I, I think that I, I don't remember. But I think I won like nineteen thousand dollars. Okay. Think at the end of it, which was the most I ever won in my entire life, you know. And I always make the joke is when I went home and told my wife about. I only told her about eight thousand of it, you know that trip. <laughs> and I said, paint paint the house outside, paint the house. So I know when I come home, I can look and I know the house is painted. So before I give all the money back. At least I can see that the house was painted. Yeah, and you know what's funny is this just shows, you know, I, my memory's kind of screwing up here the last few years on some of my details. Cause Not I, that much. I no. knew 49 was, <laughs> I, I got to always tell everyone the the, the try paid 49000 Actually, I was wrong. You just said oh, yeah, 19000 yeah. The horse was 49 to 1. That's okay. probably where I got messed up. Yorty was 49 to 1. Yeah. My dad, Gus, was 9, and Time's Gonna Fly was yeah. 20. Nevertheless, nineteen grand. I'm remembering now, Vince. I remember I was dancing around the remember I was <laughs> yes. dancing around the press box and <laughs> yeah. I grabbed John Bernetti and started dancing with the camp when it came to I remembered it now it's coming back. You know, <laughs> yeah. My memory's not as sharp like you guys. You know, I'm getting old here, so I remember that now. It was a fun day. I absolutely do remember that. <laughs> yeah, nineteen grand in the early nineties. That's uh that's yeah. a good yeah, chunk. Oh man, yeah, it was right. uh, not to not to mention a great I, uh, feet of handicapping because I went and looked at Yorty. He had no form. He was a Meadowland shipper. And I don't know what you saw, but he won by four and a half, it turned out. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, every once in a while, I, I, you know, just long shots, you know, and it, over the years, you know, just for all the handicappers out there, it's just that, you know, especially at some meets, you know, they, they, people tend to dismiss certain horses, you know, that just because of where they're coming from or, you know, what they are. And you just, if you look around, maybe you spot something, you know, and you try and get a price, you know, and it, it, sometimes it works out, you know, maybe 10% of the time, but it's certainly a windfall when it does. But yeah, I'm always looking for some kind of angle. Yeah, that's great. And uh, yeah, again, the Gulfstream meeting is just so fantastic with field size. Of course, Florida racing is really quite healthy. And uh, Ron, uh, you got the usual great cast of characters among uh, jockeys and trainers and big stakes coming up at the at the select meet. Oh, yeah, we have uh, already in town. There's Julian Lepereau, Louis Sayers will be here Sunday. Jose Ortiz will be here on Thursday. It's mm. just, uh, you know, a matter of it's a little slow. Most of the guys stay, uh, come down, run a couple of races during the stakes, but mostly they come down, you know, right after Christmas, December, you know, so they spend Christmas with their family. So uh, we're expecting the same, you know, uh, Tyler Gaffrione, everybody that uh, usually comes down here, and the trainers, of course. You know, Bill Mott, but Todd Fletcher's already on, on the scene, you know, and just all, all, uh, all the great guys. And, you know, with the turf course, that we sort of had to uh, keep people out, you know, because of the, you know, the following racing, which you guys, of course, do. The turf courses and Churchill Downs and Fairgrounds and all those places, and they've, you know, taken a big hit like ours did last year. And they don't run that many races. So now that we got this new thing, everybody wants to be here in South Florida, you know. So uh, we should, we've got full barns everywhere. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this meet plays out. I think it's going to be one of our best. And, of course, I think we have 64 or 74 graded racers Jeez. coming in. Of course, we've got the Pegasus World Cup, you know, the Florida Derby, the Pegasus Turf, which turned out to be very successful. We got to see some of the greatest horses in the country running those races in their final races. So uh, it, it's just been a hoop for me. And, uh, yeah, you know, just waiting for this meet to start. You know, and now already you start to see it. We've raised the, raised the purses up. And this year we, we're, we're on par with, you know, some of the bigger tracks that have, uh, you know, lots of casinos and all of that. Mm -hmm. $100,000 races, which you sort of have to be competitive with. So I think we're going to see a better a class, of course, if that's possible, you know, at least in the turf races for sure. Yeah, it sounds great. No, looking forward to it as a uh, handicapper and racing fan for sure and watching this week as well. And uh, the main meet again starts the same day as Santa Anita, day after Christmas, December 26th. Hey, you guys were talking 90s there. I remember this is actually a Florida-bred horse but he's by John Casey, and he's out of Miss Swiss by Captain Courageous, and he mm -hmm. had like four full brothers and sisters that were all Washington breds. But he was a right. Florida bred, so there must have been a purchase. I'm talking about a horse that I'm sure Ron will remember by the name of Don the Lumber Trader. Do you remember oh, yeah. him, yeah, Ron? You know yeah, I do remember him, and I went back and looked. In the beginning of his career, he was trained by Eddie Fleece Jr., and I saw when you talked about it, I went back and looked, and I remember this horse very well. He made almost $500,000. He was, you know, great at stakes place. He was numerous times at stakes uh. place, and he actually got a stake win, but he was put up by disqualification. But I, I remember the horse, and I, I mean, he hasn't run it in years and years, but I always remember Don, the love trader, and, you know, with Eddie Fleece Jr. being yeah. a friend, you know, when you're piqued my interest i had to go back and look and of course looked it up and uh, pulled out a couple of the charts to see what it looked like yeah you know he uh, i i took note of him because uh with that breeding even though he was a florida bred 
you know, local ties for sure. And then watching him run, 15 wins. Most of them were at a mile, a mile and a 16th on the grass down there. And he was tougher than nails on the front end in the stretch. And I, you know, cashed a couple of tickets when simulcasting first started here at Emerald Downs. I, I remember him yeah. pretty fondly. And uh, just one of those horses from a few uh, times back. Uh, Ron, you uh, doing some handicapping for the weekend, I'm sure. You got anything uh, to us to keep an eye on this weekend? Yeah, I like a horse in the ninth race tomorrow. and it, uh, It's a number two horse, and it's a TC Cento. It's an Irish bed. But if you go back and look at this horse, here's a horse trying to get a little bit of a price. Its only previous race in North America was a trouble trip in the grade three Del Mar Juvenile Turf. So they put this horse right into the fire, came back, ran okay on the Tapita. I think this horse, you know, being in a $35,000 optional claimer is an ideal spot. So, I, you know, I think it's going to, the horse is just sitting on good. You know, English Painter is probably the one to beat in there. But I think that Piciento, they'll get a little bit of a price on there. And, and just coming out of there for Jonathan Thomas, I think this horse is going to run well. Okay, that's Saturday's ninth race, number two, Ciciento. And uh, what about Sunday? Well, Sunday, you know, uh, now we have a seven-week draw. I, I got a, a long shot. I'm interested in the man. It comes in race number seven. It's called Brazilian Air. It'll be the three-horse in race seven. And this horse is trying to make it five victories in a row. I think he's going to be like 12 to 1 on the morning line. Huh. Comes off the bench. He defeated, you know, entry-level allowance runners at Keener for Jeremiah Engelhart. But he's got speed, and it looked like the turf course. He's only had one. It looks like it's going to favor speed for a little bit, a little while. So I think a horse like that, I think it's 12 to 1 on the morning line. So a couple of prices, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. Awesome. Ciciento Saturday, Brazilian Air, is it? Brazilian Air? Yeah, Brazilian Air. Brazilian on Sunday. Very good. Okay. Ron, hey, great to hear your voice and uh, catching up with you and uh, great racing in South Florida. Ron will be sitting there entertaining and informing us throughout the meet. Uh, Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, Ron. Yeah, great talking, Ron. Thank you. It's nice talking to you again. You bet. You guys have a great holidays. And uh, I'm always here if you need me. Give me a holler. Very good, Ron. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Yeah, thanks very much to Ron Nicoletti for joining us. Boy, nearly 40 years in South Florida thoroughbred racing and uh, looking forward to watching him much more this year and next. Okay, uh, Vince uh, Vince Brune, for those of you who may not know, he's uh, got a, a just a great recollection, a lot of years in sports, uh, Everett Herald sports reporter for many years, covered a lot of sports, just developed a huge interest in hockey. And that's not to say Vince is always hitting me up with somebody from something from the NBA in the 60s or 70s because we both followed it back then. And he listened to a lot of Bob Blackburn on the radio, as I did. and, and coming The real up, voice of the Sonics. Yeah, coming up with a lot of great NBA angles. But uh, hockey is really where you shine. Um, we'll talk about the Kraken. And, but first of all... Uh, just a historical angle for you on the sport of hockey. Take it away. Well, you mean where I garnered my interest or mainly or? I don't know, a, a period yeah. of years or a player or, you know, I know you're a big Montreal Canadian. I fan, am. And but, I got, but you know what all about before. hockey. I got that from my dad. I, you know, was five kids in our family and the first three were born in Montreal. Ah. So naturally, you know, my dad followed the Canadians a bit and I just kind of Pick that up from him. I do got Nordic background in my family, and it's just a 
when I first time I saw it, I said, yeah, this is for me, you know, when you see it. And it's just this, the combination of toughness and speed and uh, athleticism and, you know, uh, factor in you having to skate. And it was just, you know, it was a real uh, interesting sport. You know, it's kind of toughness of football and uh, but just a bit faster. And what was your... Uh Okay, back then, I, th I know you went to high school in Kirkland, and then you lived in Everett, and they didn't have a team back then. Well, we had a WHL team. And oh, in Everett? No, we had the Seattle. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I yeah. was saying you went to Seattle and probably watched some games. I did, and we, you know, Vancouver a lot for okay. NHL games. What uh, was your first NHL game? Uh, in the 70s, probably. It huh? was, yeah. And in fact, uh, our family was down in California, and me and my dad went to LA Kings mm. game in the in the fabulous forum and then uh many many games up in uh vancouver whenever the canadians came to town i was there cool and along with uh you know you see the toronto blue jays in town in seattle now where it's a lot of blue jays fans well that's how it is when montreal was in vancouver mm -hmm. half the uh, Pacific Coliseum was cheering for the Canadians and they had the rich history and all the great runs and all that. So, uh, but yeah, I followed it a lot basically since 19, the late sixties on. So it, it's so exciting now that I finally have a team in Seattle after all these years. Right. Yeah. Then a lot of us can rattle off, you know, Super Bowl winners, World Series winners, Rose Bowl winners. Vince can do that same thing with Stanley Cup winners going way back. And Speaking of the Kraken, you went to the game on Thursday night, a real exciting finish. Uh, I heard they were down 2-0. They were. They were down 2-0 early. And, well, they came in on a six-game winning streak. You know, it was, let's not forget they were 27-49-5 and five last year. I think it was in their first year, third worst team in the league. And um, this year, they're now they're 15-5-3, and, and they got a seven-game winning streak. But, yeah, they were down 2-0 early to the Capitals last night. And they just kept grinding away. You know, they hit a couple crossbars and uh, they were pretty much dominating. And they finally tied it up with two minutes to go. Then overtime faceoff, uh, Andre Burakovsky kind of set a pick and chipped the puck loose to Matty Benier seven seconds in. And the explosion was real. The Kraken <laughs> had won their seventh in wow. a row. Now, are they? can they sustain this? I don't think so. Um, I think they're a good team. Uh I'm not sold on their goaltending. I don't think anyone is with uh, Grubauer and Martin Jones, who's been a nice reclamation project. And their defensive pairings, I'm a bit skeptical on, especially their top pairing of Adam Larson and Vince Dunn. But their four forward lines are really, really hmm. good. They've assembled some great forwards. And Matty Beneers, who got the winner last night, he's probably going to win the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. And this Andre Burakovsky, you know, Colorado won the... Where's he from? Well, they picked him up from the Colorado Avalanche. They won the Stanley Cup last year. And, you know, uh, with salary caps now, you know, they have to make some tough decisions. You know, like the Seahawks after they won the Super Bowl, you can't sign everybody. Players want raises, right, when they do good. And they, one of the guys they had to let go was Burakovsky, and he's brilliant. I mean, he is really, every time he's, the puck is on his stick, something happens. Hmm. And he's just one of those kind of players. And he's big, and he's got a hell of a shot. I think he's he's really good, and uh, we mentioned Beneers, but you know even guys like uh, Eberly and McCann they can score goals, and uh, Yanni Gord or you know if he's your third line center you got a pretty good team. So I think I think they'll make the playoffs, um, but uh, I'm not saying this is a mirage night, and I know, but they're not this good. Okay. So we'll see.
Well, interest and uh, optimism and placing on the Mariners kind of grew throughout the summer with you and Bill Downs, and maybe that same thing will happen with the Seattle Kraken as we move on in the, this regular season. I gotta get, we got to get you to a game, Joe. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this segment. Jeff the Fish Aaron will join us in the third. We'll also have uh, sport, sort, sport short selections and trivia coming up on Horse Racing Northwest. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Horse Racing Northwest continues in early December. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I didn't say that off the top of the show, but, you know, Christmas just around the corner. And, uh, hey, Gary Doherty was busy passing me papers. I don't mind when he prints something out and gives it to me because, you know, it's a little more reliable than some handwritten note of his or some verbal comment here and there in passing. But Chinook Pass, one turf race. Gary, give me this... Uh, article his only turf race the great chinook pass the only washington bred eclipse award winner was the meteor handicap in 1982 in december in fact december 4th 1982 at hollywood park and what did he do well he tied the north american record on grass for five furlongs at 56 flat with lafitte pinkai aboard paying three dollars sixty cents to win his seventh win in 12 starts in 1982 for the great Chinook Pass, who uh, we just love talking about him. And that was only a couple months after his world record yeah, for five right. furlongs on dirt at Long Acres. Which still stands. Yeah. 55. Five and one or two. 55 and one. 55 and one. And, and speaking of Ron Nicoletti, who was just joined us on Horse Racing Northwest, that record at uh, five eights on the grass is now held by pay any price he went 53 and 3 at gulfstream in 2017 and the son of wildcat air had a great career 19 for 34 how's wow. that Seven hundred twenty-seven thousand earned pay any price holds that record but chinook press tied the world record on grass and how about him still holding the five eights on dirt 40 years later all right, and we have our second guest on the line right now. And uh, hey, good to catch up with Jeff the Fish, Aaron, Joe Withy, Vince Brune on Horse Racing Northwest, joined by the Fish. Fish, great to hey. have you on. Hey, it's always great to hear your guys' voice. Hey, Fish is, uh, you know, we've known Fish a long time because, boy, he came up. I think you, you're you back in Phoenix now. We'll we'll get your history. But uh, you came yeah. up from Phoenix when you uh, arrived in Seattle, didn't you? Yeah, I was in, I was in Phoenix, and then I, I, I flew to Seattle to land the legendary gig of being Wayne Cody's final radio producer. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I worked with the legendary Wayne Cody, then uh, KJR burst on the scene, and and uh, the rest, I guess, is history. And, hey. Wayne, and Wayne Cody was legendary. That's that's no kidding. Wayne Cody's the first person I ever went to uh, 
to a horse race with. And this is a true story. My first live horse race I ever attended in my entire life was the last Long Acres Mile. Is that right? Uh, 19, that is right. 1992 at Long Acres, Blue Light won that day. Uh, yeah, Wayne was uh, a regular at Long Acres, and when he wasn't uh, attending, he was calling the media center for results, as he, Vince he, well knows. He, he liked to get well, that 10th race triacta result. such a big fan of horse racing. When yeah. We went to the Indianapolis 500 to do the radio show live there. He skipped the Indy 500 to go to <laughs> drive to like Kentucky to go to harness racing or something. He, he didn't oh, even stick funny. around for the Indy 500. He he loved his horse racing, and he's the one that introduced me to that world. I'm not sure he loved the horse racing more than the auto racing, but there was something attached to the horse racing that made it more. Oh, you uh, mean shelling out some shillings here and there? That's to, correct. To maybe, yeah, uh, make more shillings. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he, we went to the Kentucky Derby in uh, 1992, the, the year of Arazi the Wonder Horse and mm. Little E, Little Miss E.T. I forget the name of the horse now. The Little E.T. Jenny e. Craig yeah. Horse was yeah. there. It was a quite quite a memorable year, and we were able to spend a lot of time, quality time, with the legendary Mark Kaufman. At yeah. Which, uh, the late, great Mark Kaufman. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Jeff the Fish Aaron. Up from Arizona in the early '90s, yeah, he was. He did the morning show on KJR. You've been at big stations, small stations. You certainly kept busy. Uh, Fish is a pretty much a multi-talented guy. He's uh, quite the music aficionado, and yeah, he's picked up horse racing a lot, of which we'll talk about him with that. The last ten years, you've become quite a horse racing fan. Um, well. Since we're on that right now, uh, how did mm-hmm. that kind of how did your interest kind of just jumpstart there about ten years ago? Well, it did. I, I think it's just I enjoyed coming down to Emerald Down so much, and okay. you would always kindly invite me down there for various functions where I got to I got to pretend to be a celebrity for a day. I I threw footballs against Sunny Six Killer. <laughs> yeah, I, I rode a donkey in a donkey race. Wow, <laughs> I That's... I had a lot of fun doing stuff down there, and I just started showing up at the track and I thought, well, while I'm here, I might as well learn something. So eventually I started placing some wagers and, and the more people I knew that were involved, the more I enjoyed it. So then all of a sudden it became, and I tell people this all the time and it's the truth. I say, when they ask me, what do you miss most about Seattle? I say Emerald Downs. I miss Emerald Downs. That's the, wow. about the only thing I miss right now from Seattle. Well, that's great. Yeah, we've got a little rough weather up here. but And then uh, we'd approach Fish at KJR. He did weekends there at times. He did. Uh, uh, he was the main guy in the morning show for a while. And then when he went to KRKO in Everett, uh, anytime I called him or asked him, hey, we got a pretty big race coming up. We got a nice angle here with this trainer or this jockey. And uh, you always gave us a shot. We appreciated that on your end as well, Fish. Well, uh, I still get emails from Vince. I, I read all, all the press releases, and nice. I pretty much have canceled a lot of that stuff since I'm really not very active in radio anymore. But I read, I just saw the new Emerald Down schedule came yeah. out. So, Vince, I appreciate you keeping me in the loop. I like to be staying You know, warm. I didn't realize you were still on the list, and I'm glad you glad that you are and that you're reading them. That's great. Yeah. Yes. The fish is down in Arizona, and uh, he recently made a little trip west to the San Diego area. And I think that was just last weekend, wasn't it, Fish? Yeah. Well, I, my son lives in San Diego. He lives right on the beach, the Guppy. Some the Guppy. Remember uh-huh. the Guppy. If they remember me, they'll probably <laughs> remember stories of the Guppy. He's 34 years old now, so everyone's going <laughs> to feel really old. Yeah. But uh, I, 
he's like, Dad, you need to come visit me. And I said, well, I will come visit when Delmar's in their short season. And, and I, that was one of the main reasons I went. I, he goes, well, what do you want to do while you're here? And I said, I want to go to Delmar. And we almost went two days, but we had a pretty hectic schedule. But, boy, what a great racetrack. I love it there and had a great day. And I, I cast winning tickets six out of eight races, which always makes it a more enjoyable day. <laughs> you bet. Okay. Del Mar's fall meet. Fish was there last weekend and a winning day. That's outstanding. And, yeah, you've taken a big interest in uh, the big thoroughbred racing days of the year, you know, the Triple Crown races, the Breeders' Cup. In fact, if I don't send you stuff unsolicited, you'll ask me for a little information. And, and you've right. got to know some people in the game as well. And um, you're not, I don't think you're a big better, but you uh, you spread it out a little bit. You've cast some nice tickets on these uh, big days at times. I, I know you Well, have. my big, biggest uh, win ever was at Emerald Downs uh, during a Kentucky Derby Saturday. Okay. Uh unlike you, I, I do not have a photographic memory and remember the names of every horse and every race that I've ever witnessed, but uh, <laughs> Smarty Jones, I think, was part yeah. of the, the winning combination that year and kind of a tragic end of the Derby that year, but I, I cashed like a, a $980 Derby winner, and that's the first time I was handed an IRS form by the but, and I always went to the same betting window at Emerald Downs with the same woman. I don't remember her name, but she always had a smile on her face. And I always felt like she was my good luck girl when I placed my bets. But that was my biggest win ever was at Emerald Downs. Yeah, that's that's a good story because, again, Fish, uh, you know, he's not betting $100 on every horse, but he spreads it out <laughs> a little bit. In fact, you've got a lot of them covered. In fact, you'll tell me maybe I, I'm gonna, I might go 7, 8, and 12 here, and then the 3 will win. He goes, you know, I had a backup $2 win on that horse that paid 30 bucks so uh that that has worked for you quite a few times nothing wrong well, with joe, that. joe 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 yeah. now that i now that i bought stock in flight line i'm a high roller now oh oh, oh are you part of that deal <laughs> i was just reading the article that somebody bought two percent or 2.5 percent of flight lines basically stud service and yeah. it's worth 4.6 million dollars yeah, that would be travis borsma yeah yeah yeah, yep. Travis Borsma, who Vince worked for at uh, Grants Pass there for uh, a year and a half while still working at Emerald Downs. But, uh, yeah, Flightline, just a small percentage au auctioned off the day after his big win at the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. And Yeah, he's worth a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, the fish, uh, uh, you started, well, you were at KRKO doing uh, radio afternoons uh, five days a week and boy i listened to that a lot when i was in the car and it was yeah you had a real entertaining show yeah well you you did a weekly segment with us and you know i always i i don't know why but but because of my renewed interest and and love of going to emerald downs and i became kind of an advocate for the sport of horse racing because it gets it gets bad mouthed on occasion by people but i always try to you know my son's an avid he goes to del mar and he takes all his friends there and they'll They'll dress up and they make theme parties and they go there. But I'm always trying to recruit people to the sport because I, I, you know, I do believe it's the sport of kings. And I, I hate to see that some of the tracks are suffering and there's a lot of a lot of negativity. But I'm, I'm always an advocate and hope that the sport thrives and continues to thrive in its future. Well, thanks for that. And, and we've been in a long time, Vince and myself, and we get to know just a, just a plug for the horse care and the trainers and the grooms and the jockeys. I mean, you, you cannot do well if the horse is not healthy 
and happy yeah. helps too. And there's just so many checks and balances going there with uh, training and uh, feed, uh, veterinary care, and just all kinds of eyes and hands on the horses. And and we've, of course, stepped up our game. Even the whole sport has. Uh, Santa Anita had a little rough period there with all that wet weather about four or five years ago. And uh, Well, I was at Emerald Downs enough where I, where I started to know various people. And uh, Dimitri Sandeman's a friend of mine down here in Phoenix. He also was a, his father has owned horses and still, I believe, has some interest in some horses at Emerald mm-hmm. Downs. And Brett Brophy was... Uh, a local pub owner who runs yeah. my trivia quizzes at his bar and he owns some horses. So I, I, and I, you know, while I was at Emerald Downs, I got to meet a lot of people and, uh, and, and the owners and even the, the legendary. And I know that I got the press release a few weeks ago. I was sad to hear about Victor, the predictor, mm-hmm. uh, and some great gentlemen of the sport that have passed on. But yeah, I've met a lot of great people through Emerald Downs and through horse racing. That's great. Yeah, Brett Brophy, he's really jumping into the game. He bought some property up in near Arlington, and I know he's got a few broodmares now, and he's in handicapping contests, so you're his buddy. And uh, speak- Well, you need you need to get his phone number. He's good. I, 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 you're in my texting rotation when it comes to the big races, and I always text Brett and I get his opinion on, uh, on the races. And we have a group of guys down here I met in Arizona that like horse racing, and we'll go to the off-track betting for the big races, we call ourselves the think tank and we sit around and try to peg winners all day long, but, uh, and primarily surrounding the breeders cup and the triple crown races. But we, uh, we get together three or four times a year for the races and turf paradise, which I have a few issues with, but I'll still support turf paradise on occasion when, uh, when they're back, when their season's back on. Yeah. If you pick up a form for turf paradise, boy, you're going to see a lot of EMDs in there. We have a whole bunch of trainers down there and local horses this uh, fall and winter. So a uh, big, big presence down there from Emerald Downs horses. And one more thing on Brett Brophy fish. Uh, he did qualify for the NHC, the national handicapping championship last year. We did have him on uh, before the NHC and I know he's qualified again for this year. So a uh, good job. Wow. Chance- Good chance we'll get him on. Yeah, that uh, first prize there is is huge. I, I don't even know what it is. It seems to go up every year. But Brett, Brett is a is becoming a really uh, important guy in our sport here locally in Washington. And well, good to know. I hope I hope he keeps answering my texts. He's good information. <laughs> yeah. No, he's 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 sharp. And trivia, you started that uh, trivia deal up here in, well, you were at KRKO, I believe, and it really grew around, uh, you know, Everett and North, um, and now you're telling me it's it's doing pretty well down in the Phoenix area. I'm... uh, I'm booked pretty much every night of the week. Tonight's a rare night off for me. I I host a lot of uh, trivia nights, and there's a lot of those uh, adult active adult communities they call them down here, and there's communities, and they have an entertainment director, and they they hire bands and they hire entertainment. I've managed to meet a few of them, and they're like, "Well, we want you to be our trivia guy." And then I, I sort of grew in popularity with my trivia down here, and and now I I'm hired every night of the week, and it's it's been thriving. I still have a few locations up in Washington, but I spend a lot of time doing research and. <laughs> writing trivia questions and uh, maybe too much time but but it's going well and and it's been a you know it's been nice to transition from from a radio career which you know can't last forever to to something else I love to do so it was it was a nice move for me and it's worked out rather well that's great yeah 
So you might just run into Jeff the Fish Aaron if you stop <laughs> by an establishment. I, I, I suppose you've been in one or two of those uh, off-track betting uh, restaurants or bars, have you? Uh, oh, because... yeah. I, I, I have them all, and I have all little stars on a map because okay. i got to know where they're at whenever I'm out and about. Yeah, there's a bunch of those in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area. So Turf Paradise well underway, and the fish... Uh, uh, his interest in racing continues, and shoot, that's great. Uh, we did see you up at Emerald Downs once this year. You came, I forget what occasion you came up to the Washington for. Well, it was it was it was good. It was a good occasion, but also a sad occasion. I came oh, back that's to right. the uh, the memorial tribute to our Alan, our friend uh, Alan White, the Yes drummer, who who uh, on numerous occasions I would uh, lure him and Gigi to come down to Emerald Downs. So he is. Spent some quality time at Emerald Downs as well, but uh, they had a nice tribute and celebration of his life. Mm. And I was back just a little early, uh, early October. I was back in, uh, yeah, I made a point to make it to Emerald Downs. I was back also once in the summer and made it. So, yeah, I've been, whenever I come back, I try to make sure I get a chance to go to Emerald Downs. That is great. Well, good catching up with you. And I'm going to fire you off via email some uh horse racing trivia questions that you may or may not include in your repertoire. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Fish, a, a great history in Seattle, starting with uh, the legendary Wayne Cody and uh, making a name for himself as well. And things sound seem well, to be going pretty well, Fish. Well, wait a minute. Well, Van Vince and, and you and everyone has always treated me great and been very gracious with me. And again, I speak very highly of Emerald Downs and uh, – I enjoy my time there, and and when I do come back to Seattle, that's one of the main reasons I'll come back is to spend a, a weekend at Emerald Down. So expect to see me for the 2023 race season. I'll be there. That sounds great. But you know what else we need, Jeff? I have you. We, we need a horse from you this weekend, right, Joe? I, well, oh, you know gosh, what? I, I didn't, that, that I am not capable. I no, no, I didn't do that. Okay. To him. He 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 had. <laughs> my advice is: I always say, take the five. Whenever I go to a racetrack, <laughs> five's weirdly my lucky number. I play it in roulette all the time. But as soon as I get to a racetrack, and if I'm in time for the first race, I walk right up the window. I'm like, $10 on five to win. I don't even know the horse. I don't know the Just odds. Just an action enough, guy. But I, I stick with my lucky number. I'm one of those superstitious bettors. I'll, I'll, I'll try to use logic and reasoning and information and all that. But sometimes, you know, I'm still silly enough to bet on a number or, or the name of the horse. No, you're not alone there. That's for sure. Okay, yeah, I I told him since he bet every race at Del Mar last week that we wouldn't, you know, have him handicap anymore. He's he's used up for this month. No, I'll no. give you a I'll, I'll I'll give you a football bet. Take, okay, uh, there we go. To take take USC tonight over uh, <laughs> over Utah. Utah. I, I don't like a team having to have a rematch game that's important like this. So I'll take uh, okay. the Trojans tonight to beat the U. And USC is minus what in that game? Two and a half or three, was Two it? Something like that. Okay. It went to three. Okay. I also, I think Michigan is going to blow out Purdue this weekend. And I see my big upset pick of the week is Kansas State to upset TCU because you know the final four teams in college football playoff will never be that easy to figure out. And somehow you got to work Ohio State and Alabama back in the conversation just to make everyone angry. So Kansas State to knock off TCU. Okay, I'm very good. I've been a Kansas State fan for a long time. I don't know why, but I have. And uh, the fish has done a lot of football handicapping, and it's had a lot of guests on his show and his podcast over the years. So, fish, great catching up with you, man. And uh, certainly hope to see you in the future, either there you or here. 
All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank Enjoy you. the conversation. Thanks, Fish. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Jeff the Fish Aaron. And boy, he said a lot of nice things about Emerald Downs. Sure did. And you could hear the enthusiasm there for the sport, which is great. And you mentioned it, Joe. He really, uh, on his shows, uh, gave Emerald Downs a lot of attention. And not just Emerald Downs, the national racing scene as well. Yeah. You know, he learned, I, I don't know. He learned probably a little bit from Wayne Cody. Remember Wayne gave every sport a shot when he was doing Yeah, sports? yeah. Wayne was good that way. You know, Wayne wasn't the nuts and bolts guy maybe. To, you know, he wasn't going to recite the top batting averages in the league or something. But, yeah, he, he got around town. And uh, he oh. would he would give sports a shot, which is a real good feather in somebody's cap. And, uh, boy, you're right about Wayne. He would, you know, quick thing there, he – Back in the day, there were, there wasn't this exotic wagering every race. He had a daily double on the first and second. Then he had an exact on the tenth race. Then they added a couple other exactas during the car. But the only trifecta, there was no superfecta, was on race ten or sometimes race nine on a weekday. Wayne was interested in <laughs> yeah. in the outcome of the trifecta right. at uh, at a Long Acres. He would uh, call not one. No, don't don't give me the horse names. Just give me the numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and speaking of numbers, <laughs> if I would have thrown the number. <laughs> 12,666 out to Wayne Cody, I think he would have known what that meant in the early He might have, but one of his colleagues he, might not I, have. I think Wayne Cody would have known yeah, that. That's yeah. a little bit of an inside joke. But Okay, let's go on to sports shorts. Hey, the two-point conversion in football, be it college or pro, I mean, come on, people. So the word analytics is really being thrown out as a cliche a lot. Can't it... It can be specified down a little bit more in some situations, but I'm going to go right to the two-point conversion. So let's start off with this. The two-point conversion is successful less than 50% of the time. A little mm -hmm. bit less. Not all that much less than 50, but it is less than 50. So you start off with that right there. Okay. So if you are down and score a touchdown and pulled within 12 points in the fourth quarter. Um, do you want to be down 12 or do you want to be down 11? Sure, you want to be down 10. Let's go for two. But isn't there a huge difference between being down 12 points and down 11 sure midway is. through the fourth quarter of a football game? Come on. The Seahawks did that against... Tampa in Germany, they scored to make it 21 to nine and they went for two. And I got, I'm sitting there with my mouth open, you know, they missed. So they're down 21 to nine. They're down 12 points. Now they need a touchdown and a field goal. Uh, not even going to tie at 12 down. They need two touchdowns. That's a big difference. I mean, these kickers nowadays, all you got to do is get to the 40 yard line practically and you're in field goal range. So the Huskies did that as well against UCLA a few weeks ago. They were down. They scored a touchdown, and they were quite a ways behind. They pulled to within uh, 17 early in the fourth quarter. They went for two and missed it. So now they're down 17 points. They could have been down 16. And you know what they did after that? They completed two two-point conversions on touchdowns after that point. But still, UCLA scored and won, I think, by about... Mm -hmm. Uh, seven points or eight points. Well, you, you've like heard that. what I've been saying for years on this thing, which is hire somebody. Yeah. In, in, in fact, I wrote that down to bring that up. Vince <laughs> Brune has said this for 10 years. He said, 
these high high profile college and pro teams should have a guy to tell the coach when to go for two. I mean, John Madden, his last several years on TV, as funny, as entertaining as he was, he'd turn around and go, hey, uh, Al, do you think they should go for two here? You know, I'd, I'd just slap my head on that one. I mean, he's the coach. But you yeah. don't want to be down 12 when you can be down 11. You don't want to be down 17 when you can be down 16. You gamble later. You stay alive. I don't care what these yeah. analytics say. And there's also the fourth down uh thing comes into play too a little bit there the different machinations on a fourth and three in the third quarter versus you know a fourth and six in the first quarter yeah. and there's a feel for the game of course sure. also but but yeah you you want to you want uh like you've said you want to be able if you're a coach after the game if it doesn't work out and and uh reporter z comes up and says hey coach you know you went for two there what well, what was well, your thinking we were, there yeah we were we were confident we have a good play for it okay if you had a good play you need it the next time if you're down 11 yeah. you need your good play the next time when you're still alive yeah. with a touchdown and a field goal so uh, this analytics cliche on that angle. Okay, I, I spent a lot of time on my sports short. How about you? Okay, mine is also uh, football-oriented as well. We all know, you know, Russell Wilson's been a big topic here the last, well, years, but especially since March when he was traded in that mammoth deal from the Seahawks to Denver for three players and all the draft choices, and we all know it's working out great for the Seahawks. But still... Um, some of these national guys and one writer I really like a lot. I, I read his thing the other day where it made, made it sound like, yeah, well, Russell Wilson definitely has fallen off a cliff, but let's not forget that he led Seattle to a Super Bowl and won all these games, you know, he pulled out of the fire. Listen, I, you know, I, I ran the numbers again today. In 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016, that's four straight years, the Seattle Seahawks allowed the fewest points in the NFL four straight years. Now you tell me, is that elite defense or is that Russell Wilson That's winning fantastic. games? I wasn't aware of that. Russell Wilson was a fine quarterback and he did a great job. And, uh, but when Seattle was really at its Zenith as a team, I'm not going to say he was a game manager because that, that would be the guy uh, who was the guy who won with Baltimore. When Trent they, Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. He would be a game, but Russell Wilson basically was a competent quarterback in charge of a rushing oriented offense. He certainly was fine. He had some great games, some big plays, but defense ruled the day when Seattle was elite. Okay. Once well, and for all. <laughs> four straight years of le least amount and, of And that 2013 defense, you know, you can make it uh, certainly probably one of the top 10 of all time, you know. Oh, for sure. That was just uh, smothering. In fact, I've said it before on our podcast here that Richard Sherman changed the way defensive backs guard receivers, and it's uh, it's – People have followed his lead on that one. Okay, uh, selections. In fact, the Cigar Mile is on Saturday, December 3rd. Anthony Stabil uh, joined us a little earlier to speak about Dave Litfin, and Anthony has a little brief analysis of the Cigar Mile. Cigar Mile Saturday, final grade one on the Naira circuit for the year. I hate to chalk it out, folks, but I am going to take his hand and cutting back. First time he's going to go one turn since his maiden win eight starts ago. So this will be start number nine. It's been a steady diet of two-turn grade ones and grade two since. Of course, third in the Kentucky Derby, Derby big-time bluegrass winner. And I think the cutback to the mile is going to help him. Hate to give you out the chalk, folks, but I'm going to go with the number two, Zandon, to take Saturday's Cigar Mile. Okay, Zandon, just a tremendous 
horse, Anthony's pick, even money on the morning line in Saturday's Cigar Mile. Uh, Vince, you got a selection for this weekend? I do. I'm going to go to Sunday at Del Mar. That's uh, December 4th, race Mm -hmm. one, uh, number nine. Uh, It's a two-year-old maiden special weight, Colts and Geldings. At one mile on turf, and the horse I like is number nine, Smart Code, 12 to 1 on the morning line. Angle here, this is a $135,000 colt by Honor Code out of a dam named Constrictor, who's by Unbridled Song, owned by Alan Sandy Kirkwood of the Northwest. Okay, Smart Code has raced just once, surprise, surprise. Showed speed in a six furlong debut, won by a Baffert monster named Arabian Lion. That's not the horse you mentioned earlier in the show, but it is a, it's a $600,000 horse whose two races have produced buyers of 92 and 93. This horse had a rough trip, was 30 to 1, but did show speed. Uh, five works since race, stretches out, switches to turf. His only sibling on the dam side, Saranda, broke her maiden going along at, on turf at Gulfstream Park last winter. This horse has speed. I think they try to go wire to wire at a big price in the opener Sunday at Delmar. Okay, 12 to 1 morning line for Smart Code. Um, Chuckanut Bay is in that Gold Rush Stakes at Golden Gate on Saturday, race number 8, about 4.15 p.m. Chuckanut Bay, 8 to 1 morning line. I'll be keeping an eye on that, but uh, I'm, my top selection, I'm going to go with OBs, capital O, capital B, apostrophe S, trained by Bill McLean, a son of Cairo Prince, who's this horse is just re- improving in leaps and bounds uh, broke his maiden at five and a half real easily october 22nd came back against winners first time around two turns at a mile on the synthetic of golden gate uh was 10 lengths behind early one by seven going away son of cairo prince i like that sire uh anyway ob's really on the improve and uh, he did draw eight of 10 there going a flat mile. So he's going to need a trip, but he can definitely come from off the pace and pass horses and just on a big improving mode. So there's some selections. A couple prices there. Yeah. Um, and uh, for trivia, let's hear a stretch run from Emerald Downs back in May. Papa's Golden Boy with three sixteenths to go has a lead by three and a half lengths. Top executive tries to bridge the gap in second. Win ribbons towards the inside in third, then it's five star general fourth. Sixteenth to go. It's Papa's Golden Boy on top by two and a half. Top executive surging late and top executive in a photo finish. Top executive caught Papa's Golden Boy. What a thrilling first older horse allowance we had there back on May 28th as top executive extended his Emerald Downs winning streak to, I believe it was it was at least four, maybe five, because he did win a stake here as a two-year-old. Well, I think it was four. Nonetheless, he won that race, and our question on our last show was, who is the leading active Emerald Downs stakes winning horse? Active horse. And there are two of them, top executive and Papa's Golden Boy. Both have four stakes wins as we... Just about get ready to turn the page to 2023. So hopefully those two will be back and active at Emerald Downs next year. And our new question, this is kind of a tough one. Among Washington-bred horses, who has the longest gap in years between $100,000 winning seasons? So, of course, you've had to have multiple $100,000 winning seasons as a Washington bred horse, and who's got the longest gap in between 
those $100,000 winning seasons. Not too easy, but, you know, there's a couple publications where you can narrow it down pretty darn quickly. So we'll give you a nice prize if you get that one. And that nice prize is, is uh, undecided at this point, but uh, it'll, it'll be happen. Good. Okay. Hey, that's a show, a pretty long show, but I hope you stuck with us and uh, and hope you have a really good holiday, Vince. Uh, yeah. We'll be back before the end of the year with another edition. Maybe before opening day at Santa Anita. There you go. 26. Another edition. Thank you for listening to Horse Racing Northwest. <laughs>